listening to Our Wayward Life, a podcast about living life a bit differently. We're Natalie and Daniel, a married couple from Tennessee. In 2015, we sold everything we owned, moved overseas, and we've been living the expat life ever since. Stick around to hear about our travel experiences, both good and bad, our expat adventures, and everything in between. Welcome back to another episode. We're really excited because today we're here with our friend Brian Maleveny. Hope we got your name right. There's a whole history yeah. about the mispronunciation of his name, apparently, but he embraced <laughs> that, that mispronunciation, yes, so so am I. So, Brian, welcome to the Our Wayward Life podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah good deal. So, we met Brian yeah. in Bahrain in 2015 yeah. when we had just moved to the yeah. Middle East. We spontaneously went on a trip with a bunch of strangers and ended up meeting a bunch more strangers, and it was a lot of fun. We had a great weekend (laughs) in Bahrain. So, um, but you're not currently in Bahrain, and you weren't living there at the time. You were just visiting as well. So, so why don't you tell us about a little bit about your background, who you are, where you're from, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, yeah, I met you when I was working in Saudi Arabia uh, as an English teacher there. I was working in a town called. Uh, Khomar, which was right across the bridge from where Bahrain was. So well, I wasn't living there, but it was it was basically our weekend getaway. Uh, yeah, so uh, we were with a bunch of crazy people having a good time that weekend. And uh, yeah, so wow, that was 2015. It's been a little while. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I stayed in, uh, I'd been, I did a stint in Saudi, which turned out to be about almost six years. And then I left in 2019. Uh, teaching English there, and I did a little traveling before deciding where to end up. And then I came to Thailand and visited a friend in uh, the north in Chiang Mai, and this was in December of 2019. And um, yeah, he he offered me a job, and I took it. So just in January of 2020, I started working at the school, uh, at Thai uh, Thai uh, International. International English program kind of school, Thai students and other international students. Um, yeah. And then the world all kind of changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I basically yeah, spent the, I've spent the entire COVID era thus far here in Thailand. Uh, in fact, I haven't left, I haven't left the country um, since, when was that? Yeah, that was, I went to Myanmar to get my new visa. That was in January of 2020. Uh, the, right after New Year's Day. So it's been since the beginning, early January 2020, since I've even left the country. Wow. <laughs> so but you've been, you've been able to travel a bit through Thailand, right? In Thailand. Okay. Yeah. I've been a little traveling. Yeah. There are but, much uh, worse not, places uh, to be, I suppose. That, yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not too uh, upset about that. No, no, but it's no. But it's been odd. I've been like, just because of the hassle of traveling in this era and all, for some time, we just couldn't do it, and then it's a big a lot of her hoops to jump through. Yeah. So anyway, now I'm here, and uh, I'm actually on the cusp of a new sort of career change. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? So you're from the U.S., <laughs> right? Yes, yes, okay. New Jersey. All right. And when did you leave the U.S. like to become an expat? Um, which time? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I. I a couple of couple of stretches outside the US 
I did a few years living in India during and then after college, uh, working on a program there for internet for U.S. college students. And um, then some years later, I went to Australia for a year and lived there. Yeah, I lived in Australia for a travel. It took me about a year to get there, lived there for a year, made my way out through Southeast Asia and got really sick and ended up back home again. Yeah. And then uh, I was uh, I was in the U.S. for a good stretch from like, I guess that was 2003 to 2012. Yeah. And uh, no. Yeah, something like that. And uh, 2011, 2012. Did a few trips to the Middle East during that time. Spent some time doing uh, activist work in Palestine, which was great. But uh, but I, I was short term, couple anywhere from like a few weeks to a couple of months, and then back okay. again. But then, at a certain point, I decided to specialize in careers. That's why I went to English teaching. And then, after getting a certificate and a master's and accruing some debt, uh, <laughs> I did. I wanted to travel way. anyway. Yeah, I, 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 the plan was to travel, but then my travel had to be sort of very f- focused on where am I going to go to pay off this degree I just got. And uh, that led me to Saudi. The Middle East yeah. is the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're a bit of like a serial expat, I would say. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I did a, gu- a, a number of little, little, you know, shorter ones. And then since I think it was the end of 2011 that I left and I pretty much, I've been back for short to longer visits, but especially since living in Saudi, yeah, I really haven't been back very much. Uh, when I was living in Saudi, I'd go back to visit my parents like once or twice a year. Okay. That's about, yeah, extent of my trips and Burning Man. I had to go back of, to that. Yeah, <laughs> of course you, of course you did. That. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So you told us what, like what brought you to the Middle East was teaching English in Saudi and you mm-hmm. did you yep. want to teach English like I don't know what you did before that like what you majored in mm-hmm. in university or uh, was teaching English kind of one of those things that was going to allow you to be an expat is that why you went into it that's my question yeah well funny I never told you I was a religion major in college go oh, figure interesting <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, given my history of yeah the, uh, yeah anyway I, um, yeah, I was, I, I didn't really, I was, I majored in religion in college, but I didn't have any definitive career goals at that point. I, to be honest, for a long stretch, I was just reinventing myself every, uh, three years or so in terms of jobs or what I was doing. Um, ended up working at, uh, when I moved to the Bay area, I was working in like school administration stuff I had done in, when I was living in Chicago. And then, uh, brief a uh, couple of years that I went on an Apple store, but yeah, uh, I really didn't really commit to any particular career idea until, um, um, until the idea of teaching really came up, uh, occurred to me. It had always been there. I'd always felt like that would be a good fit for me, but I never really didn't really know what I wanted to teach. And I, I always felt kind of, people would say, Oh, you should be a teacher. And I'd be like, well, yeah, well, that's, that doesn't help me. Like yeah. teach what? Like, yeah. That's the heck am I going to teach anybody? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things I had to come to on my, by, on my own terms of like, okay, I think, yeah, if I taught, what would I teach? Uh, it was a, there was a friend of mine I had lived in, um, 
I said, well, I definitely take care of her kids. She had gone into the field to be a cell. And uh, just on her, just talking to her and some other people, I, I got put out on my list of things to look into. And uh, yeah, you know, one thing left led, led to another. I ended up doing a, a certificate course at Berkeley. And then they, the teacher there was like, oh, come do a master's next year and you'll be able to, you know, it was a way of transferring credits. And before you knew it, I had the degree. And like I said, the debt. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just sort of all fell into place like there because I, I definitely wanted to travel again. I wanted to leave the U.S., but I wanted to have some sort of means to or profession or ability to do that. Right. You know? And an ESL, and yeah. ESL certificates, if you don't know, that's English as a second language. There's also TEFL, TESOL, TOEFL, all sorts of acronyms about teaching English. Um, and mm-hmm. just having the certificate, in some countries, that's enough. You can get a job just being a native English speaker and having a certificate. And in other countries, especially the Middle East, they really like you to have a degree to go along with that, whether it's mm-hmm. an education degree, linguistics degree, an English degree, math, whatever it is that you're teaching. Yeah. Um, and having mm-hmm. that master's degree probably helped you secure quite a good job in Saudi, I would imagine, because they really value yeah. higher education. I mean, one thing, they, they love the, the whole myth of the, na- the native speaker. So being a American white male uh, English speaker, I, I re- and the degree on top of that, um, it was, which I'm not, not, I'm not saying, I'm not proud of. It was all, there was a lot of just, I, I met a lot of people who were, very well, and still do, or very well qualified, but they run into these kinds of barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a really easy time securing jobs. Now, not all jobs are created equal there, but uh, having the degree, being from the U.S., being a native speaker, uh, those doors were pretty wide open. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah. it was it was different. That, that time was easier to get those jobs. There were more of them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the packages have changed quite a bit as well. And you're, you're, you guys are still in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, still you, in Abu Dhabi. Every year, you're, you're like, we're going to be leaving in a, yeah, in a few months or yeah. a year. We're still <laughs> I think that was the plan pre-COVID, but then it felt like we didn't get two years of, you know, part of the reason of being here is traveling and experience, having the mm-hmm. Abu Dhabi lifestyle. Sure. So it was two years we did we felt like we missed it. So it's like, oh, we got to make up. And yeah. now I'm invested yeah. in like a work project and you know how it is. I know what you're talking about. We don't want to leave until we have a reason to leave. (laughs) Yeah, until we're unhappy. And then at the moment. something else that pulls us somewhere else. Yeah, at the moment we're we're really happy here. So might as well stay, save up some more money, travel, have experiences, and then who knows, maybe we'll end up in Thailand. No, if I ever get to Thailand. You never know. Yeah, if I ever get to Thailand, I won't Is it life? Thailand is our end goal. So. I don't know if I'm going to be leaving. (laughs) Yeah. It's an amazing country. The people, the food, the scenery. Oh, the street food is some of the best in the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So you're currently teaching. And what age age group do you teach? So I've been teaching at this Thai. It's like a Thai. Also, like, well, it's a Thai school. It's an English program. It just got adopted into like a Cambridge program. They just got accredited by that. And, um, but it also has a strong uh, Turkish uh, element in terms of the staff and the uh, students and such. So, um, and then there's other sort of international students sprinkled about as well to some degree. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it's an interesting mix of both Thai and international 
and there's some subjects taught in in Thai and some in English, uh, like science and English and uh, and such. Okay. So I was, I'm I've been a part of the English department here in the what's called the secondary uh, matium. They kind of split. There's kindergarten, then primary is one through six, and then matium is the high school, another one to six, which goes till about. I think it's actually ends a little early than U.S. high school. Um, I think they finish more around 16 to 17, around 17 to 18 years okay. old. Um, yeah. And um, I've been teaching in that upper matium from basically the first through one to three is somewhat equivalent to middle school, at least one or two. And then, and then from like three or four up to six is your high school. Uh, that's kind of how they split it up. Uh, it's all geared towards university admissions, etc. Anyway, so I've been doing that, um, teaching from about M2, which is anywhere around 13, give or take, up to about M6, 16, 17 or so okay. until yeah. their graduation. Mm-hmm. I've been doing English main classes and English literature classes. Ooh, literature. Mm. (laughs) I miss teaching that so um do you find that the students there are really engaged in learning English um yeah compared to students that you had in Saudi (laughs) I mean it's not yeah it was an interesting switch going from Saudi to here I mean Saudi there wasn't there there was it was a different program, let's put it that way, the main one I was at. And the first one I was at in Riyadh, there really wasn't much teaching at all going on. It was just it was just babysitting. Crowd, it was like crowd control. What do they call that again? It was the year before college, like a formative year, something like that, or a preparatory year, that's what they called oh, it. Okay. They'd have like a year before college but after high school and all to sort of try and catch them up. Um anyway, and then in this program yeah, I had some very motivated students. I had some really great students. Um, um, and I guess my my goal was just wherever they were at, I just tried to push them a little, get them a little farther ahead. And some of them, um, they, they had a lot, quite a ways to go. And others, you know, uh, it was it was there. I had one one student in particular, and she. She was, I barely had to teach her anything. She was a really, really great student. The literature class in, in, in particular, I had a real, a lot of free reign to just go with what I felt, what felt right. Uh, that's so, really exciting as a teacher. That's, yeah. that's what you dream of doing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, they, they just, I, they really gave me very little direction at all. And I just, I just downloaded PDFs of books and things I wanted to teach them. And it's like, here. We're going to read, you know, this book or that graphic novel or we're going to do whatever. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Nice. Yeah. They always, oh, yeah. That's a really they exciting experience them. for them as well to have, even if it's just to have the exposure to English literature before they go to university. So. Yeah. And I, I had to do, a, I felt like it was my job to like, you know, when I, when I read, I, the first book I did with them at one point was like, with one group was Catcher in the Rye. And I didn't, um, I did that in high school, you know like we all did. Of course. And uh, it occurred to me, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, right outside New York. So my teacher never had to say like, oh, and does everyone know what Rockefeller Center is? And everyone knows where Penn Station is. And everyone knows Lower Manhattan instead of, you know, Central Park or whatever. All these places, we knew them. We'd been to them. 
we grew up right next to New York. Right. Um, so I didn't really have to get that explained to me. And I realized as I was just starting to do this, because I was making it up as I went along, um, that, you know, they, they didn't know any of this stuff. I had to really decide, like, what, how am I going to introduce this book about a kid in the late 40s, early 50s, wherever, in New York, you know, to these Thai students that never, some who had never left Southeast Asia, and I don't think any of them had been to the U.S. Right. So, yeah, like, I just tried to use every bit of media I could prob- I could find on the internet, music, this, that, you name it, video. There was a <clears throat> an old old movie uh, with Frank Sinatra and Frank Sinatra and Grace, Gene Kelly. Not Gene, uh, it great. Yeah, Gene Kelly and um, another, uh, I can't remember who the third person was. They were sailors on shore leave and they they sing the song, New York, New York, it's a wonderful town. Yeah. That whole thing. There's, there's an opening montage and it's, it's New York in the early 50s. It's exactly that time period. And um, yeah, just show them that. They had to explain, you know, lines like, you know, the, the Bronx is up and the battery's down. You know, just have to, what, what does that mean? How, what's he talking about? You know, yeah. show them maps, show them Battery Park, show them the Bronx. And yeah, so just ha- ha- both hammer in some certain things like that, but just get them familiar with the world that you're introducing them to in the book, you know. Oh, wow. And yeah, that, that, uh, I, did that. I tried to do as much as I could with every every book I introduced them to. I would want to learn that way. Yeah, that like would being be very completely awesome. <laughs> surrounded by like different types of media, learning about the not just the story itself, but about the setting and the background. So, yeah, well, it was, I'm, I, I I'm glad you that. had that. I'm glad you've been able to enjoy that time with your students, and I'm sure they really appreciate you, even if they don't voice that because you know teenagers. But I'm sure that they do really <laughs> appreciate you. Yeah, no, it was it's funny too because this the M sixes that that's the, the main group that I was I was with them for literature for a, a good stretch and uh, they just graduated and of course this year we couldn't have a big graduation because of COVID and um, yeah so I didn't get to really get a proper well I took them out for lunch before things ended so I got a bit of a goodbye there but you know yeah I had a good time with them they were, they were a good All group. Right. Well, good. It's yeah. not, that sounds really positive. So, mm-hmm. makes me yeah, think, no, makes me I, think I could easily be employed in Thailand. <laughs> I mean, if Brian can do it, surely I can do it. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Oh. Okay, so let's. Uh, we're going to shift gears just a little bit and talk about just expat yeah. life in general. Mm. So, what do you think are some of the greatest benefits of being an expat outside the U.S. It's a good question. Um, well, it's 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 strange. You, you kind of represent something. Like like I was saying about getting a job and being this native speaker, that you know, you, you represent something as an English speaker, as a native speaker, in terms of what and when. Whatever those expectations are, I don't know if I, I probably don't always fulfill them. Maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like when they see me, they see this idea of, oh, you're the English teacher that's going to, you know, allow us to access this, this knowledge, this world, this literature, movies, or job prospects, whatever it happens to be, you know, and of course for parents, it's going to be job prospects for the 
kids, it's going to be like, hey, can you make sense of this song I like or this movie I like, or whatever. Yeah. We do it, for example, we do a drama competition every year at this school in the, in the spring. And it's something that is, we just finished. The, this is the third one in a row I've done. And uh, it's probably the best time, part of the year because as opposed to like, you know, doing any kind of esoteric learning or memorizing this or uh, understanding that grammar or learning this vocabulary or whatever it is, um, here's a moment where you can just say, well, look, now we're going to put on a play. You've got to, you've got to actually say these lines. You've got to not just, and not, not just say them, but like try and feel them, try and act, try and portray what's going on in the, with these characters in this scene, in this moment. Um, and of course, also for them, it's about what they're interested in, what, what movies do they like that they want to do as a play and what social realities in their, in their sort of lives do they want to reproduce do they oh whether intentionally or not in these plays so um yeah that's been a lot of fun um we just did one what what my one group did back to the future part three and uh, we had a very creative way of doing a, a train sequence um <laughs> <laughs> and the other group i yeah they did a version of of alice in wonderland that was both Alice in Wonderland and sort of World War One era German history. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Interesting. <laughs> I had two students who were just obsessed with European, like 19th and 20th century European history, especially like they just were fascinated by, you know, the rise of fascism and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So... I think I made one rule of like there cannot be any Nazi imagery people. Yeah. yeah. But other than yeah. that, yeah, go go for it. Stick in World War One. That's fine. And yeah, so they called it. Well, I think I named it this for them, but it was the Rush, uh, Alice in Prussia Land. Oh my god! It. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, and they wrote the whole script. Like they didn't, they didn't just like they, they copied a few things from the movies to some degree, but they just they made the whole script themselves instead of just taking it from the movie or whatever and uh it was it was hilarious yeah that's impressive yeah good on them yeah that sounds yeah it, it does oh, sound well, hilarious yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay it so, was really good so I, uh, other than like what you represent to them like what are the what are mm. other benefits have you experienced as an expat like for us some of the things that we love is like the ability to meet other people uh travel mm-hmm. obviously opening your mind sure. to different cultures and societies and religions so what are some of yeah yours? yeah I, I've loved, um, you know, it's been, it's interesting because, yeah, in, in Saudi, um, God, I mean, I, I traveled as much, we, like, as you, pre-COVID living in, like, when we, were, when we were living in the Middle East then, we had, we had a vacation, it was just go, get out, like, there was not even a question of where I'd stay and just relax at home, like, pfft, you kidding me? I'd even come to, I could even manage a three-day weekend because of the time difference and the flights, you know, when we have National Day off in Saudi. I could leave on a Thursday night, arrive in Bangkok on Friday morning, spend all of Friday, all of Saturday, and then uh, leave Saturday night and arrive back at Sunday morning in time for work. Yep. Yeah. Or, or leave. I just, I'd, I'd work it out and I'd have like two full days yeah. and I would just be sleeping on the plane back just for a weekend, you know, because why not? Yeah. Uh, that, was the, that was kind of, yeah, it was, it was interesting. That, that, that's been the, like you're, we were saying before, um, 
because of COVID, you know, I got here and started, I started teaching. I'd been traveling for about six months, not really wanting to look for a job yet and just really enjoy my time in between jobs. And then, um, got that job, started working and then boom, COVID hits. We had a normal January and February and then March came and I had to go to Laos to get my new visa, came back and then the border closed within days. And then since then, you know, we, it, and then we couldn't really even travel in Thailand for a little while, not until, you know, by, it was like July. And then we had a, we had a great, our 2020 was actually great because we had no COVID here from about, you know, July of 2020 through December, January of 2021. Uh, we had a really normal existence. We weren't, okay. had, didn't have to wear masks much anywhere. Um, wow. What would that be in like? Thailand. <laughs> Yeah, it was a little weird, but I, I, not really. I, I traveled a bit in Thailand even then. But um, our 2020 was 2021. That's when things really, really kind of slowed, shut down in many ways. You know, bars were closed for so many months in 2021. Yeah. So anyway, um, I've, it's, been, it's been an interesting challenge because a lot of things I really loved about being a, uh, an expat when I was in Saudi, you know, traveling at a moment's notice, meeting people from all over the place, you know, going, just deciding, okay, what's my, what's my Ramadan vacation going to be? What's my, you know, Hajj vacation going to be and such. Um, that all changed here. And uh, my, my scope became a lot more local, you know, just here in Chiang Mai, a few little trips here and there, some, some from time to time, south to the islands, north to some other spots. Um, and just the, the, the crowd of people here in Chiang Mai that I got to know, yeah, uh, it's been uh, so. Yeah, it's been really interesting. I, I, I still love it. Um, I do feel like I could use a, a trip to the U.S. at some point just to yeah. touch base. My, my when, mom. When was the last time you were back in the states? September of 2019. Yeah, it's a long time to be away from family, friends. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I usually was trying to do at least once a year, mm. stopping in Jersey, saying hello to everybody. Um, you know, and my mom, yes, yeah, another thing, my, I don't, my mom didn't really understand. Like, she just felt like when I was done with Saudi, I'd, be, I'd come back to the U S yeah. and yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, the, the longer you're away, like the more you don't feel like that's your home anymore. You know, no, cause you, you really just, don't. you just like, don't fit in, and that's okay. Like, no, yeah, sorry. No. Like there's no street food, but I can't live there. What, <laughs> yeah. what, you know, like. I can't go walk yeah. into the store and get me a five dirham swarma and, you know, <laughs> life good. Yeah. I just had some Thai food for like, it was 40 baht. That's about for lunch. That was about, that's a not little over a dollar. If I say that's not very much. No, no, that was my lunch. It was fine lunch. I even had some leftovers from last night too. So, hey. Man, I Which, love Thai, Thai street food is just the best. Like it's, it's pretty good. I mean, you know, I, uh, Chiang Mai also has its own varieties of stuff here in the north, so that's been fun. Um, my one, I'll say one thing: I, I've done a really horrible job at learning any Thai. Um, I, I decided at a, I, at a certain point, I was like, I, yeah, I think I made a very brief effort and then just gave up. <laughs> yeah. One because I, I wasn't really that as motivated, and two because I got, I actually got really motivated. to improve my guitar skills, uh, which then also led to 
uh, increasing my guitar gear. So uh, <laughs> we've seen your post <laughs> so on, on social media. Yeah, you've uh, gotten a little out of control, but um, but it's been fun. Yeah. And uh, so there's been a really great little music community here in, in Chiang Mai that stayed here uh, that I've gotten to gotten to know and friends of mine are you know much better players than myself. And uh, that's been really um, I, I really loved that. So that's really good. I mean, that's, that's yeah. cool. So I would say living here in Abu Dhabi, we've had a similar experience language wise is that we don't know much mm. Arabic. We know, you know, basic phrases and greetings and asking questions, but you don't have to be, you, fluent you don't, Arabic. you don't have to know Arabic here because everything's in English. They've made it very easy for expats, which is wonderful. But I do like, I wish we knew more. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you, you can get by without knowing a lot of time, really much of any type per se, um, it does, it does help. I mean, I, I, I find that Thai people, I think most of them understand that learning Thai is not easy. Yes, very you know, There difficult. is a very wide language gulf, especially in older generations that didn't learn English in school at all. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's actually, cause there's sometimes it makes me a little, I laugh and I feel a little sad, but my students are, at, are a very interesting you know, generation where they've been growing up with English their whole lives in media, in everything. Um, you know, they're Star Wars freaks, they're Harry Potter freaks and all like that. So they've known it for a while, more so than their parents. And like, remember when we were doing Harry Potter that last year, I remember for their school play, they were making some jokes. Basically they were doing, they were pronouncing Harry Potter as their parents would, you know, like, Harry Potter, you know, yeah. doing a top, Thai pronunciation accent that they don't do that their parents would, yeah. you know, while they're trying to put on like a Cockney accent and all that. <laughs> Some of the price successful. It was pretty funny. It's a story about that. But, and, um, and I kind of, I was laughing cause I could see what, what they were, what they were doing. But I also felt like, Oh man, that's that like, don't, don't put down your, don't put down the older generation for being, of course, not for being not in the same place that you are like, yeah. you know, but um, that's that's that is cultural change, I guess. That's what happens. Um, so yeah, and anyway, the, and the I, more access that kids have to, or not just kids, everybody has to the internet and social mm, media. Of course, they're going to pick up more languages if they're interested in that, and that's what they're watching videos in, listening to music in, watching movies. Mm, yeah, one of my students is doing multiple accents at the same time, and I can never understand what I'm saying now. Like <laughs> he's trying to do like switch from like British to French to this to that. I'm like. What are you? What are you even saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they may actually lose what? like their authentic accents if they continue to switch around like that. They'll be on inventing yeah, yeah, Anna. It, it, <laughs> it's been pretty funny. So they, they're really, uh, they're, you know, they're they're influenced by, you know, K-pop. You know, Chinese culture is, is huge here as well. Uh, you know, America. British and American English culture, Harry Potter, music, etc., all that stuff. You know, they are just absorbing all of that at the same time. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense. Cause you know, I, I can help them with, I'm, I'm, I'm there with them for some of it. And some of it is, is a mystery to me. I don't know much about K-pop myself. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've learned from them. <laughs> what little I know. Um, yeah. So it's been, it's been amazing. All right. Yes. All right. So we talked about the benefits of uh, expat life. 
What are some of the challenges that you face as an expat, not necessarily through COVID-19, because we've talked about that, but like when you first became an expat or you first went to Saudi, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Oh, being isolated. Mm. Um, it's it's very easy to, when you're, especially in, when you're plunking yourself into a new situation, um, not knowing, like a, a friend of mine, he's just got a job to go teach in Kuwait. And I immediately assembled a, you know, list of people on, on Facebook Messenger. Oh, yeah. I think you might I'm have on, been on I'm that. On there. Yeah, you're on that one. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I immediately just got a whole bunch of people together for him to talk about work issues, you know, social issues, you know, club issues and such. Yeah. And um, just so he could have a, a resource to ask, like, what's this like? What's that like? How do I... You know, and then, and then people started saying, oh, the British Embassy is the place to go for this, and that's the place to go for that. Um, yeah, I didn't have any of that when I went to Saudi the first time. I really didn't. I didn't know anyone who was there at the time. I knew people had been there, so I really didn't know what to expect. And going there first was hard because the, the means of socializing there are very different very um, much so. than, say... Than in Abu Dhabi or yeah. in Thailand or elsewhere. Yeah, so it took me a little while to sort of find groups and people and contacts and, you know, build those relationships so that I wasn't feeling as isolated. But I think that that's, in my in my experience thus far, like that's, that's the thing you really have to do your best to avoid getting in any kind of rut like that. Like if you're going to go somewhere, and now it's just so much easier with, social media even more so than when I than before like I you know anyway like I would if I was going somewhere else I would just look up some Facebook groups of having to do with certain interests and boom I'd be you know halfway there I didn't even think about doing that then and we couldn't really in Saudi um, so yeah that, that was my big I think that was the biggest challenge I, I faced uh, but again it didn't take didn't take that long to get through that yeah, you got to be willing to, like you said, we were just talking to another guy on the last podcast, and you got to just be willing to put yourself out there. If you're if you're just oh. going to go and stay in a bubble, you're going to be miserable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, completely. And, yeah, and it, yeah, and yeah, it is so easy. To- like like he said, being isolated, it's easy to stay isolated. Like you're kind, of, you kind of accept yeah. your fate, you know, and you're like, oh, okay, well, this is going to be yeah. it for my two year contract. But it doesn't have to be yeah. like that. You just have to be willing. Sure to be a bit uncomfortable and and maybe it's because as an adult, sometimes it's hard to make friends, especially if you've always lived in like your hometown or something, you've never had to make adult friends. It's hard to go up and And you're like, and you're like, Hey, I'm Natalie. Can we be friends? Like, yeah. And your friends are going to be 20 years younger, 20 years older. They're going to be from wherever various parts of the world. Like you, you don't have the luxury of just staying within a very narrow. No people. My age, from where I grew up that do what I do or know what I, you know, no, you gotta, you have to really let go of all that. Yeah. Um, which I kind of did a long time ago anyway, in another, other situations. So I, I was already kind of used to just being outside of that, any kind of box like that. So that really helped. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it hasn't been much of an issue here in Thailand, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I had a good introduction to things. Actually, I'll say, no, that, when I first arrived, the first two months, yeah, were great. I was able to sort of start meeting people and build a sort of 
you know, social world there. And in, back then, you had people working here, people traveling long term, people traveling short term. I mean, <laughs> back then there was a bar. I don't know if you've ever been to Chiang Mai. No, um, not yet. It was. It's still around. I think it may have survived. I don't know. Called Zoe in Yellow, and any night of the week. If you wanted to just go out drinking and just with some with random people, you could just go to Zoe. And there were backpackers there every night of the week. Because backpackers didn't have jobs. So they were there because there was a you know good solid backpacker, you know, contingent that would be here at any given time, um, like most major areas of Thailand. There was always a party there. So it did you know, once I started working, I wasn't gonna go out drinking on a Wednesday that much, <laughs> but uh <laughs> but if I wanted to, I'd just go there. Yeah, you had the you know, option. The option was there. But then anyway, once COVID hit, everybody that wasn't going to stay here left. And I already had a job, but other people were scrambling to switch to working and change their visas and do all that. So we ended up with a very small group, of, a smaller group of people. We kind of all knew each other. And um, But even before that, like there was a good two months where you know, we were all isolated. I, I would... I, I didn't, that entire social network kind of fell apart because people left. And I had a very isolated two months or so uh, before things started getting, you know, creeping back to normalcy, or at least internally here. And then I started meeting people again. And we all sort of were like, oh, we're the people that were stayed here. Well, who are you? Well, I'm Brian. Blah, blah, blah. We had a big party up in, in July that year, I remember. And that's when everyone kind of, like, all right, where the people are here, let's get to know. Let's the survivors. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was pretty fun. So um, that was a weird, like, uh, even even with having that right attitude, this once in a century thing of a pandemic, boom, I'm isolated again. Yeah. <laughs> and there was nothing I could do about it yeah. without Zoom, you know, meetings with friends from, you know, all yeah. over the place. Quiz nights. <laughs> Quiz yeah. nights, my God! Yeah, we did those every Thursday for like three months. Thursday, <laughs> every Thursday for three months. Every Thursday, yeah, that was yeah. part of my social universe right there. Yeah. yeah, thank goodness for technology. Imagine going through yeah. the isolation without any connection to anyone. Like, I can't imagine that. Wow. No, and I just I had to move into a new apartment, so I just got this crappy little apartment. I didn't know. Everyone had left. Even the people I knew, we had to stay apart. It was a tough time. Yeah. But you know, we got through that, and uh, like I was saying, we had a we actually had a really fun 2020. I felt really bad sometimes posting pictures of us enjoying ourselves when the rest of the world was getting hammered. Um, and then, then we were kind of late to the vaccine game, so we were kind of 2021 was us catching up, but then Delta hit and then yeah i didn't end up getting covid until about a month after my second vaccination in october okay what vaccination do they have there well they started off with yeah they they started off with the chinese sinovac sinopharm and astrazeneca um because there was a lot of production of astrazeneca because they do a lot of pharmaceutical production excuse me here but a lot of it was for export then they switched to Pfizer and Moderna. Eventually, they got a lot of donations from the from the U.S. and other sources and such. So then they had a big push where, yeah, the U.S. I think it was the U.S. or someone gave a certain 
you know, 10, 20 million doses that some, a certain percentage, which was to be for not just Americans, but for expats. So we all got on a list for that. And I didn't think I was going to even get it. I, I was, I was, I did not for whatever reason, I think I had one shot of Cinefarm and then boom, my number came up to get Pfizer. So I just said, all right, I asked my, I asked my dad as the same. He's like, well, you should wait a little bit and just get the Pfizer. Yeah. So I did. And, um, yeah, then within a month, I, after both of those shots, I, I, I got the, the, such a mild, I thought it was just allergies. Okay. Well, that that scene was doing its job then, I guess. It did. Didn't lose my uh, smell or taste or anything. That's a plus. And since then, man, people have been getting it left and right and I've been, I've been fine. In fact, my, due for a booster soon in this month yeah so the vaccination thing took a while to kind of ramp up and they started with less less efficacious you know uh, vaccines but yeah i think the the push was there and mask wearing is i don't think it's ever going to end here (laughs) well i mean even before the pandemic they wore masks a lot a lot a lot of people wore masks exactly i mean mask wearing was huge here both uh, if you were if you were sick, people were wearing masks. And for pollution, certain times of the year, mm-hmm. the air pollution is pretty bad. But even other times, if you're out riding your scooter, which many people are, you're wearing a mask. Yeah. So that already something people did. <clears throat> but now, like, you know, any store, any public place, you're wearing a mask, with the exception of like, yeah, if you go out now, bars are open again, so you can relax there. But. Um, yeah, when I now when I teach in class, I'm wearing a mask, and um, I don't know. I just laugh because like uh, it just feels like seeing the news from from the U.S. Everyone's just dying for it. You know, to when, when is masking going to end? And everyone's in such a hurry to end it when it's like you know, wearing masks means I can do things I wouldn't be able to do otherwise. Like definitely, you know, when we just had students get uh, get COVID. It would have been so much more if we were not wearing masks, you know, instead of just a handful of cases, it would have been, you know, in the double digits. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or more. So I, you know, it's a small price to pay and uh, yeah, I'm pretty used to it, to be honest. I don't, I don't see it ending. I, I, maybe in certain situations it won't be enforced, but, or at least required, but I'd say ties are going to be doing, are going to be masking a lot for for some time now. Okay, that's understandable. But uh, has the yeah, has the up. has the travel like international travel opened back up quite a bit in Thailand? Because I know there for a while you could only fly into like Phuket or in places like that. Yeah. So they, as the tourists started coming back, it was in November that they officially they added what's called a sandbox thing. So you could go and you'd you you go to a certain location like Phuket was the first one. I think they opened another one or two, two cities. So you fly into, stay there for a week until you're confirmed that you're okay. And then you could go elsewhere. So that started in November. And um, they, they have a variety of like, for a little while they're doing a test and go, like just arrive on the plane, get tested, and then you're good or you can go. But then they put the sandbox back into place once Omicron happened and such. And then I think they removed it again. Now it's test and go again. I don't know. I haven't really been, I haven't traveled, so, I really haven't <laughs> so it doesn't attention. really matter to but, you right now. Yeah, we've, we've noticed, like, you, we had no tourists for a while, like almost zero tourists, just people who were, who were here. 
And um, starting in November, you could actually see, like, who's this? Who are these? You know, white people walking on the street that I'd walking on the sidewalk that I'd never seen before. Oh, they're tourists. Or you start meeting people that are traveling. You're like, you're what? You're traveling? It's so weird. So it's been, it's been interesting. Well, hopefully, hopefully tourism is returning because I know a lot of, a lot of Thailand's economy is based on tourism. Yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing. It's returning, whether it's going to get to the numbers that it was, that's, that's a long way off. I re- but, yeah, I think it is especially yeah. a long way off, especially because uh, for China, they're not allowed to travel like just for tourism purposes. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. Thailand tourism was Chinese tourists. So, I know. Yeah. yeah, 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 no, it was that was another interesting thing being here for that, like some areas were able to uh, almost everywhere. There were businesses that were just just gone. The sections of town where there used to be hostels that are gone. I remember um, your pictures from Kosan Road. Yeah, Kosan Road. And it was, was I mean, like a ghost Kosan. town. It was a ghost town. It was a total ghost town for like over a year or more. Um, I think it's 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 back to some semi-normalcy, but nothing close to what it was. Yeah. Uh, but I think there are crowds there now. Yeah. This People have been telling me that the South has, has changed, is back, coming back to normal okay. much more than the North this far. You know, um, we should we should go I'm, check I'm, it out. And, and see for ourselves yeah. what the what travel is like again. I think you should. I think you should. Maybe we can and make it to the north. That, well, I'm I'm actually decided to get into this this game because um, I think I was saying I'm I'm fin- I'm going to stop teaching. Next week is my last day at, at work, and there's a a music venue in the north that I'll be uh, just north of here that I'll be um, I'll be the new owner of. <laughs> so that's yeah. exciting uh we def- yeah we need tourists and uh you gotta come up and visit okay yeah. will. we can do that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think you should i think you should and uh yeah. what city so, is this uh, going to be I'm in? Hope- uh, hmm? what city is this going to be in it's in uh a town called pie pie okay yeah. how many people yeah, live in so- that area i'm not really that oh, familiar pie with is- it pie is very small it's like <sighs> i mean bangkok is huge Chiang Mai is actually not that big a town. Um, it can't be more. somewhere between half a million to a million people at the most. I can't. I can't. I'm not sure exactly. Um, and then Pi is just a small, a very small town, like small enough that like there are no taxis. Okay. <laughs> like you, you either have a scooter and you drive, you ride where you need to go, or you, you can usually walk. You're in this the main part of the small town. Yeah, you know, you walk from here to there, there to here. Um, yeah, and bunch of lots of villages in the area. It's up in the mountains. Um, probably still cold at night, although the summer's back here now. And um, yeah, it's um, it has some of the best food in Thailand, both oh. Thai and Western. Well, that, they do that seals food the deal. Then believe. we'll be there. Yeah, no, I when I first when I came back, I remember in, it was 2019. I went to stay at the place that I'm the new owner of, and um, called the jazz house. And, uh, I, I remember I, I, I had a kind of feeling of like, I'm just going to, I'm not eating Western food here. Uh, in, in Thailand, I want Thai food. Da, da, da. Then I went to Pai and like the food there, like you name it, they had it. It was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Um, whether it's, it was vegan food or whether it was pizza or whether it was 
you know, oh my God, so much, so much good food up there. And, um, you know, I, I went through a lot of rough times being shut down. I really, it was a town known for its, both its, the food and the musicians that were living there play, or coming to play there. Uh, and a lot of musicians had to leave eventually. So there was a good sort of from about September of 2020 through the reopening of tourism in November just recently, you know, they were in a really a, a serious dry spell. Okay. But, um, you know, musicians had come back. Some of people I know, they're, they're, now they're on the islands because it's that time, good time of year uh, to escape the smog up here. But um, they, uh, a lot of the musicians came back um, and more should be coming in the next year. So I'm really looking forward to it. I that just sounds need great. To finish yeah. That sounds amazing. So, visa so it sounds like you're, you're planning on staying in Thailand for a good bit then if you've bought a business. Yeah, that was another thing. It, it was kind of interesting, you know. I don't know about you, but when I was when I, I got this job, and I'm, I really loved this teaching job I had. It wasn't exactly what I was. I was more of an ESL than an English teacher, like a high school English teacher, which is what I was doing. But they, you know, in this context, they're both kind of overlap. But um, and I hadn't really trained working with kids, although I'd done it to some degree. So it was a little new. It was different. It wasn't what I was. I was planning to do. It was kind of an opportunity that came along but uh you know i gave it a shot and uh i had a really good time about it but i kept thinking i was always thinking about what's going to come next a lot of times i wasn't really really present on where i was in the moment i was thinking about like okay if i do this a year another year then what am i going to do after that uh, don't worry about it you know i have to kind of tell myself not to not to think too far in advance um which i, I uh, like in saudi I was always at a mo- feeling like I had a moment's notice. If I had to leave, okay, I'd sell that, I'd sell that, I'd give that to that friend, and then I can go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always had a kind of, and I did that for almost six years. <laughs> but uh, then I got this opportunity came up, and now I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about like, hey, I want to open this place back up again. I want to do this or that, make some t-shirts. I mean, that's well, this guy's going to come back. That'd be great. Ooh, I want to do that, this. So now I'm, I'm not even thinking about like what's going to happen when that's done. Like that's not even a, I, I'm really trying to, I, I, I feel like I found something that I want to, and I want to focus on and I want to work on and see where, where, where it goes. And it could, it could be great. It could last for a number of years. It could, it could go bust. I don't know. We'll see. I feel like it's going to be very successful. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to make it. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> thanks. We have two questions that we always ask our podcast guests. And because obviously this is pre-COVID because you're in Thailand now, have been for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. We want to yeah. know, so you've traveled extensively throughout mm. your life in the world. So in your travel experiences, what has been the most underrated destination and what has been the most overrated in your opinion? Ooh. Damn. Underrated and overrated. Oh gosh. Hmm. Um. That's a really good question. I'm, uh, I was that in your list because I didn't it, see that. It one. was on the list. It was at the bottom though, so maybe you didn't read all the way through. <laughs> Bad teacher. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, you know. Well, you know, I'll, I'll say this: Saudi was never very highly rated. It wasn't a place that I I didn't plan to go there to travel. I didn't go there because. 
oh, that's great to live there. It wasn't so it was, I went there because I needed to make a certain amount of money and all that. And that was the place to go. And I had visited the Middle East before and I felt, I did feel like that was a, you know, I was like between there and China, okay, I'm a little more familiar with that area of the world, but you know, not that familiar. So I'll, I'll check that out. Um, so it was a pretty underrated place. Um, I'd say that's a fair assessment. And, okay. uh, you know, I, I actually, there were, there are aspects of living there that weren't the easiest, but there were other amazingly awesome aspects of living there. Just like, you know, the, the desert camping that you got, you know, you do in, that we do in the, in the yeah. UAE, that we've done those trips together and Saudi's got, I mean, I only scratched the surface of this, the amount that's there because Saudi is huge. Yeah, it's yeah, massive. And, uh, it's absolutely massive. It's ma- there's, once you get outside of like, what, four major cities, it's empty. <clears throat> it's, you know, very sparsely populated outside those areas. So you just get yourself a four-wheel drive and you're just out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and there's some amazing sites. Uh, you know, just in the time after I left my coworkers, they came up with a, a trip to go out to the western, yeah, side of the western coast of, of Saudi because the rock formations and the geology and the terrain is totally different on that side as opposed to where we were, you know. Um, and uh, so, in some ways, I, re- I regret I didn't get to really see enough of Saudi itself. But what I did uh, get to go and see in that area I was living in was great. Uh, just going off into the desert, I loved it. That was no, no. It wasn't even underrated. No one even had rated it. Yeah, yeah. not rated at all. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing better. It was than just driving off into yeah. the desert where you see nothing. There's no light pollution. Mm. There's nothing. You just drive out there and you're by yourself. Maybe mm-hmm. you and a few camels. Yeah. But yeah, the camels. Yeah. yeah all right. Camel. All right. So Saudi for underrated. What about for overrated? Overrated. Oof. Overrated. Um. You know what? Top off top of my head, I'm going to say Amsterdam. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I has, I've had good times there, but I, I've enjoy, I enjoy popping in for an afternoon in between. Like, if I have a layover, um, I love going there for layovers because I have an Irish and an American passport, so I can just leave the airport, go have myself a cup of coffee, and uh, get back on the plane, and, you know, no big deal. But, um, but when I stayed there, like, for a night or two, like, to go out, like... It has a, it has this reputation, of course, like oh, come party here and come smoke here or whatever you're gonna do. But I've actually, the times I've stayed in hostels there, I've not liked it at all. Okay. Um, We've never been to yeah, Amsterdam, no, so no opinion from us. But. Well, yeah, like a lot of the ho- the building, most of the buildings there are small and cramped. There's not a lot of space, so it's like, you know, as opposed to some hostels where there's good sort of central area to meet people excuse me meet people or whatnot there isn't much of that there i'll say this when i've stayed there with friends i've had a great time uh but just going there as a tourist on your own um bit overrated all right all right it's good yeah, to know so, well i'll qualify like i stayed there with one friend of mine a couple times and we have had a great time her and her friends going out or whatever but uh just showing up alone i just I didn't like it at all okay yeah Good to know. We'll keep that in mind. Yeah, because we've not made it there yeah. yet. Yeah. All yeah, right. It depends where you stay. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Definitely does that. All right. So, 
One last thing I want to ask is if you had one piece Please. of one piece of advice for someone who's thinking of moving to Thailand or anywhere in the world to be an expat, what would you what advice would you give them? Uh, I'd say don't develop a crippling guitar pedal addiction. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm imagining that stuff that weighs a bit. So to move it, like when you fly, oh, like, I, I, what are you going to do? I've cut a lot. I that's I yeah my. Yeah, the, the, that's the one thing. The expat life, you do have to sort of keep an eye on, like, stuff you accumulate. And I've, with COVID and being here and, and getting sort of, I got hooked on electric guitar. And, like, that's just as a, it's an illness. Um, <laughs> I, I suppose there are worse addictions you could have, but. There yeah. are worse. But as an expat, yeah. when you accumulate a lot of things, it does create a problem. Oh, my God. And I didn't do that in Saudi because in Saudi, you know, you knew that, like, you could lose your job at any moment. Yeah, you could be on the next flight you out. Lost, you're out, you know? Like, yeah. honestly, the only, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a good thing owning a car there because you couldn't leave with your car on your Akama. Like, you couldn't leave without getting rid of that car, so at least that would buy hold, you a little time. Yeah. But, hold you there for like, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, but, man, like, you, you couldn't accumulate stuff because you could just be gone in a second. And um, here, my God, here, I started working in January, I didn't get my work permit and stuff until March or later, like and my actual visa, like they do everything you can yeah. the way that the, the, the bureaucracy works. I mean, anyway, I'm babbling, but there, <laughs> there are some hard, fast moments and rules, but there are also like very relaxed sort of, ah, do it later. Or we'll, we'll figure that out. Eventually you can start working now, whatever. So, yeah, I, I just, I, I, when I was in Saudi, I was kind of a campfire guitar player. And then I just decided on a lark during the COVID, during 2020 to try something new, bought an electric and then got hooked on pedals and made some, made some, was able to improve and yeah, I've got a little nuts. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so if you're listening and you're, and you're thinking of becoming an expat, you need to consider the addictions that you embrace yeah. as you travel yeah, and the things that you collect. I do. Oh, honestly, because I mean, I, now that I'm kind of hooked on electric guitar, like it's one thing traveling around with an acoustic. You can do that. An electric, that's a whole other, oh my God. Traveling with that is not easy. Oh, I would imagine not. Yeah. All right, Brian, well, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. It's been so Thank interesting you. to hear more of your story. Some of it we knew, some of it we didn't. So uh, we appreciate all the insight that you've added, and we hope to see you soon in Thailand. Well, thank you. And thank you for uh, for including me in this project of yours. I really appreciate it. Oh, no worries. Do I have my hand raised? Yeah, I you have your hand my... raised on Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did yeah. that. <laughs> Just excited. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much. I'm sorry we had all of you hiccups getting this going. Oh, no, uh, I appreciate your yeah, yeah. All, right. all right well thank y'all see you thank you thanks so much for joining us today if you enjoyed the episode please subscribe share it on social media give us a rating and leave a review these really help us follow and connect with us on Instagram at our wayward life and reach out to us with any questions either through social media or email at ourwaywardlife at gmail.com 